Welcome back to Health in Motion. We are your hosts. I'm Evie. And I'm Alexis. And we are going to dive into some breath work before we get into today's episode. So for our breath work today, we are going to do cadence breathing, also known as boxed breath. So this is where you start with a specific amount of seconds and you do that inhale, you hold, you exhale, and you hold for that amount of seconds. So you could start anywhere from three to four to five. Some people can do longer. For our example, we will do four second hold. This is something we've done before. I think it works really well with most people while they're then building up their tolerance for a higher amount. So again, you're going to inhale through your nose and you're going to exhale through your mouth, but you'll have some pauses in between. So remember, it goes inhale, pause, exhale, pause. So let's go ahead and inhale through our nose for four, three, two, one, hold. Exhale, hold, inhale, exhale, inhale for four, hold, exhale. and hold. Now again, that's just a great way that you can bring yourself back to where you are throughout the day. You can do it in your car, you can do it while you're in the shower, at any point while you're chasing after your kid, you know, whatever you need to do. Um, we just like to give you with those give you those tools to have for your day. Our guest today helps women completely transform their financial life in 90 days through budget coaching and money mindset work with the ultimate goal of generational change. She is also the host of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, where she talks about leaving a legacy through motherhood. Welcome, Stephanie. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to have you. Um, for those of you who don't know, Stephanie and I have an extensive history. It's <laughs> yes. so funny how we keep coming back to each other. Yes. So I met Stephanie while I was... Were you still in school or were you teaching full-time at that point? I think I was... A student teacher while okay. you still had one or two years left or something because I yeah. feel like I was in the classroom and then you were in my classroom once yeah. I was a teacher. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I met her. I was like maybe a junior in my special ed, um, you know, studies and I was in her classroom observing her kind of working with some of her students and we met again through teaching and then we just kind of kept in touch. And then actually in the episode two weeks ago, I, I shared my story about how I left teaching and then got kind of pulled back in. And Stephanie's the one who told me about that job. <laughs> the virtual for the, teaching, yes. Yeah, the virtual teaching. So we have this big history together. And then I was on her podcast at one point, and then now you're on here. And it's just nice to be able to connect and really so many just, different ways, yeah. Yeah. And so many different ways and support each other in business in this way and be able to kind of collaborate and just, you know, brainstorm and things. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate you coming on here and sharing a lot of your wisdom with everybody. So can we start by just giving an introduction of who you are, how you got into this? Because I kind of just shared some of your background. So how did you get to this point where you have your podcast, you're doing financial coaching while also having four boys and have another baby on the way? Soon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, I'm a teacher by trade and I just, I don't even know. I, I know that I was not talked to necessarily a ton about finances kind of growing up. Until I was a teenager, my mom um, and my stepdad, my mom was a single mom, kind of grew up, whatever. And then so they were kind of getting their finances in order when I was a teenager. So there wasn't like a lot of this talk when we were kids. Um, and then my my mom was actually on Dave Ramsey's show, which is a big like guru, like financial mm -hmm. guru. And when I was a teenager, and so when I was a teenager, I was so annoyed by it because I'm like, dude, if I hear the name Dave Ramsey one more time, I'm going <laughs> to freak out. Like this is so annoying because – because they had to tell us no for things, right? Because they were on a budget and they were all these things. Anyways, and so I I literally have a picture. My mom kept trying to talk to me like, hey, let's like get our finances under, you know, together or whatever as I was getting married and all this stuff. And I just did not want to hear about it because I'm like, no, we're we're good. Anyways, I literally have a picture of me like rolling my eyes, holding up a Dave Ramsey CD oh my <laughs> on gosh. our first Christmas married. Um, and anyways, so all of that to say, I was all not about it at all. And then all of a sudden, um, my mom basically sat down and was like, listen, I did not have this growing up. Like, you need to sit your butt down. We're going to have this conversation. I'm going to teach you how to budget. I'm going to do all these things. And I was clueless, like completely clueless. So long story short, about like five years ago, my husband and I were in a lot of debt um, and just kind of doing the normal stuff, like the 
you know, we went to college, we got the student loans, we got our house, we got cars, we got, you know, that whole kind of thing. And I just woke up one day, really, once I started having kids, I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom. And then all of a sudden I wanted to. And I realized that we didn't have that choice. I didn't have the choice to stay home because financially we needed my income. Mm-hmm. And like Abby was saying, like, I'm a teacher. <laughs> like, I wasn't making that much money. But honestly, I had to stay because I carried the insurance. Um, which was a really sobering place to be when you can't make the choices that you want to make. And so then um, I just got really like annoyed and we had a negative net worth. And so we actually just went kind of balls to the wall and we downsized our home. We sold our cars. I learned how to budget like a crazy person. Um, And we went from a negative net worth and being crazy in debt to having almost now three quarters of a million in net worth and completely debt free. And now I coach other women to do the same because it's so much simpler than we think it is. And the problem is that we don't talk about it. And so we'll get into that later, but that's kind of the swing that we have taken. (laughs) And so it's like an amazing place to be right here. And so now I just love to coach other women to do the same thing. Yeah. And I love that you have that experience firsthand. It's not like you you know, particularly came from money. And so you just decided, oh, now I can help people how to manage it. It's you were in that experience where you were like, you had that awakening almost of, I don't want, like money gives you options and I need options and I want options for my family and the way that I want to parent. And so I need to figure out how to improve our financial situation. So I like that you're able to lead from where you've been. Um, And then there's also no judgment with it. You're very open of like, you're not going to judge someone for whatever situation they're coming to you with. It's very much, this is where we're starting. And then this is how we get you out of that. So I think that's very helpful too. Um, So you talked about your history with finances. I actually have a question that just kind of came up listening to you. How did that differ or how does that differ from your husband? Because that can be tension in a marriage too, Mm -hmm. if you have different perspectives of finances. Yes. So, um, so my husband did, so that he grew up with some money, um, for sure. His dad kind of built his business from the ground up. So like started in his basement, crazy work ethic, like one of the best men that I know. Um, but what I think was really good about my husband, though he had money, his, his dad, well, we can talk about some of this later too, when we start to talk about building wealth, but his dad really instilled in him like a work ethic. And it was never just like he, oh, my husband always jokes, like I never had the nicest stuff. Like, even though my dad could afford it, like he made him work for it. He had a job since he was 16, you know, all of these things. And it's so interesting because, um, we have a mutual friend who has parents who are very, very um, I'll say rich and the dude doesn't know how to like cook a hot dog. So it's, you know what I mean? So I think that we work really well together and we were both really convicted at the same time to kind of get our finances in order. Um, and I think that really comes from the fact that my father-in-law and my mother-in-law really just instilled good values into my husband Yeah, <laughs> and he just doesn't have this entitlement kind of mentality. However, I do, I, I work a ton with money mindset and growing up with different perspectives and beliefs and whatever around money that is and I just did a whole series on why people fight about money or different reasons people fight about money in marriage and that is one of the biggest ones this person grew up with never being told no this one never got told yes um this one grew up you know with basic needs this one never was <laughs> never had a want for anything and yeah. so when you start to align that in a marriage or in a relationship that can start to be very very um, just tension building, I guess, just in general, because yeah, if you don't have, and if you don't know, and it's fine, because we all, there's no way we can find somebody that literally has the same upbringing that we do, but you have to be aware that money mindset is a thing and why, you know, your wife wants to like save like crazy and why your husband wants to spend like crazy. Like there's a, so much work underneath it there. And so once we can do that, then we can start to have conversations and make financial goals together just in general. I can totally relate to that. I think Mm -hmm. that is, you know, because Danny and I grew up differently. We had different perspectives on money. And again, none of us are wrong. It's not like he's right, right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, he's wrong. Nothing like that. It's, But it is, it took a while for me to really understand that. And I like that you incorporate that into your coaching. Yes. Because that's that is a huge thing. I mean, we we've had so many conversations with people about other areas of health, about mindset, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it always comes up. It does, yeah. But it's not very sexy. Like people, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. want the people want the diet. They don't want the they don't want to work on their relationship with food. People right. want the wealth. They don't want to work on their relationship with money. People want the good marriage, but they don't want to work on their literal relationship. And so a lot of that just has to do with the mindset you're bringing and the mindset the other person's bringing or whatever, because. I'm sure you guys talk about all the time or even just individually, like 
mindset, people's relationship with food and how they think mm-hmm. about food. And, mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know, people either think about food as like medicine or they think about it as an entertainment and as like a pleasure and that can just get twisted. Yeah. So what do you, what does your coaching look like? What do you offer? So I have a couple different kind of tiers. So I have a one my one-on-one budget coaching, which is like my absolute favorite thing to do. So that is a 90-day um, coaching where I basically – take you and you have to input all of your numbers, which is really step one. Obviously it's needed within the coaching because I don't know your numbers. I don't need your bank accounts, that kind of stuff. However, it is one of the most emotional parts. And it's funny. I have a whole spreadsheet and they just enter in like, what's your mortgage payment or your rent Mm -hmm. payment or your electric and your water and all of these different things. And then what are your credit card balances? What is, you know, student loans, whatever the whole nine, what's in your savings, what's in your checking. And people will start off and they will be very like, oh, this is just very logistical typing in numbers. And then all of a sudden, like this switch will flip with everyone. And it's like we we talk via Voxer. That's how I coach. And, um, you know, everybody's just like, OK, what do I do here? What do I do here? And then all of a sudden it's like tears. They didn't realize that it was where it's at or it's sometimes honestly just like better <laughs> than what they thought, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just this like shining a light on your finances. And that is really step one to anything is to know your numbers. And so many of us just want to like hide and not know our numbers or not really understand or look at it because we know the numbers are big. And there's shame, like you were talking about, shame and guilt with this because, you know, we had a credit card that was like $8,000. And when I would like look on, when we, back when we were in debt, and when I would look at the statement, you guys, it was like Target and Amazon and like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Red Robin and all these like things. And you're like, man, that is like, maybe one or two things in there was like a a tire change, you know, that actually needed. And so to have somebody like look at that, you know, so many people come to me are like, what, like how much is your budget coaching or whatever? And then they'll say, I don't know that I could actually do it. My finances are too messy or I'm too embarrassed, but I'm like, you just got to, the second you put it into the light, honestly, people are kind of like, um, I don't know, insecure or whatever as we're talking. And then immediately you can just feel this like, release, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad somebody knows. There's a percentage, I don't even know what it is, but it's very high of like how many people have secret financial lives that nobody really know about, you know? Like what do you mean by that? So um so we can literally be sitting across from like our favorite person, maid of honor in your wedding, you know what I mean? The people Mm -hmm. who like you named your kids middle name after, like all these things, like your best friends. And we talk about our marriages and we talk about our children and how to raise our children that they were crazy. And you know what I mean? Like all of these things, like your hopes and your dreams, you won't talk about finances though. So you will be sitting across from like your favorite people in the world. And we won't bring up the fact that like this credit card's about to be maxed out. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to create a budget. I don't know how to do all of these things. Like that's not a typical conversation because we've been taught that it is uh, rude Mm -hmm. or almost like taboo. You know what I mean? To talk about money. And so we and the only time we ever learned about personal finance is when we're like a junior in college or a junior yeah, in high school. Yeah, and what finances do you have at that right. point? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> and it's literally like, you know, you just you literally just do a calculation maybe of like a mortgage interest rate or something, and then once you get the calculation, you move on. And so we wake up at twenty five, thirty five, whenever, and are like, crap, I don't. Like it's kind of cute and romantic to have. You know, you're living on ramen noodles and spaghettios at 21, you know, in a dorm room. But then, like, once you have a family, you're just like, this isn't that cute anymore. And I don't know where to turn to or who to ask or who's safe. And so um, that's what this budget coaching really does. So basically, we work together for 90 straight days. Um, I create a 90-day budget for you. And we work paycheck to paycheck. And I really um, I really love the 90 days because life happens, right? A tire <laughs> goes out, yeah. a car issue happens. Um, I've, we've had medical diagnosis come up, obviously, like un, it's and unexpectedly. Um, just things come up. You know, you have like stupid auto payments that you don't realize you're having anyway. So we work together for 90 days. Um, and then after that, I really teach you how to do this yourself and continue. And so I feel like this budget coaching is just so powerful because it's not just like me teaching you how to budget. Literally, the people that come to me, they feel like they're completely drowning. They don't know where to go. They don't know what ends up. They're behind in payments, you know, whatever. And for me, I feel like this is a way for me to like not scream at them while they're drowning financially and be like, just learn how to budget. This is how you do it. I'm like literally like pulling them off out of the water to like put their feet on solid ground. I do the budget for them. And then about 60 days in when they feel confident and they're like, okay, this is actually good. And we start to change that mindset of like a ne- that a budget is so negative and me telling myself no all the time to something that actually is just really aligned with your values. 
that's when I teach you how to budget when your mind is like clear. So that's one of my favorite things yeah. to work on with so, people. So when you create the budget, do you also take into account, like, do they kind of give you like, we'd rather have a bigger budget for this area or do you just kind of set it for those first 60 days and it's like, they've got to follow it. How does that work? Yeah, no. So it's very, um, it's very fluid okay. and it's very input driven from them. Okay. Because here's my goal. My goal is, yes. So we do like fun money for if it's you and a spouse or just you, we put, you know, kids stuff in entertainment, date nights, like anything that would be, I've got four boys. So like sports season, mm-hmm. like our fast food <laughs> budget is bigger in the spring when we literally like yesterday, like this past weekend, I think we had five games. And so I'm like, listen, I need a little help from Chipotle every once in a yeah. while in the spring season. Winter, however, not as much. You know, I can cook at home, prepare, whatever. I'm not as much on the road. But so like seasons change. And I think that we've been ingrained that a budget is just telling ourselves no. And that's just not it. It really is truly just to keep us in line with what we value and the season of life that we're in. And so, no, I will ask them like, okay, what do you want to spend for a date night or entertainment or fun money? And I will give them a range because some people are like, I don't know what's normal. <laughs> like, because I don't talk about money with anyone, like, yeah. what is normal? Is it normal to have like $10 a week of just like miscellaneous money? Or is it normal to have 100 I don't freaking know. And so I'll give them somewhat of a guideline. Um, and typically I do, like, once we kind of set it, typically I do say, like, let's just try this for the next, like, two or three paychecks. And then if you feel like, no, no, like, my grocery budget needs to go up, like, $100, or actually it can go down 100 or whatever, then we'll kind of adjust it. And I do all of the adjusting and everything. So, um, so yeah. And then we just talk through, like, just different mindset stuff, questions. Well, how do I handle this when I, I want to garden or something and now I need to buy topsoil. Where does that money come from? Because that's another question is people are like, where do I, where does this money come from? If I need to do X, Y, or Z, or my kid needs new shoes or whatever, once we already have a budget. So just learning how to create a budget that really works with your life. So that's what I really try to focus on. I think that sounds so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, your mom kind of sitting you down and having that financial conversation. I think most people don't have that. And I also think like that's something in our, and I'm sure, I mean, you were a teacher, so mm-hmm. like that's not in the curriculum. It's not. I mean, we weren't taught that. I will never understand some of the things we were taught instead. <laughs> Still um, don't understand it. <laughs> but yeah. But this is a life skill. Mm-hmm. And the reason we wanted to have you on too is, you know, we talk about health and I'm sure you've seen this. Finances can be a really big challenge for people personally and in their relationships. And so I think it's so important when we're talking about health, like finances are a huge part of that. So even though we aren't taught well, um, you know, I think it's awesome to know like these resources are out here that there's somebody to turn to, to tell you where the money comes for the top, from the, for the topsoil. And, you know, (laughs) when my kid needs new shoes, I think that's where a lot of people struggle with a budget is, yeah, you have your fixed monthly costs, like your car or, you know, and even gas. I'm sure that changes yeah. for you depending on what season you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How many yeah. games and do you have? And I got a 12-seater, you guys. It's, <laughs> it takes a lot to fill up my She's car. got yeah. a lot of yes. kids. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And, and yes, you're right. Like, it, we literally don't get taught it. And so I think that I typically work with women. So women hold like 85, 90% of the purchasing power across the board. So we're, I mean, whether or not you're the one like quote unquote making the money or mm-hmm. not, really, we are typically the ones that are like handling the kids stuff, handling our groceries, handling, you know, whatever. Um, or just at least having a pulse on all of that typically. Right. And so it's really, it's, it, I love working with women. I love working with moms because I feel like, um, and I also just feel like generationally women have not been the ones in charge of money. And I really feel like that's starting to switch, which is great. Um, and so that is, but, but I will say there's a lot of, um, science, a lot of just stuff, <laughs> generational trauma with money, um, generational narratives with women and money, um, that there is a lot of stuff to unpack. There's a lot of mindset mm-hmm. stuff. There's a lot of resisting wealth or not really feeling comfortable to kind of stand in your power of like money. You know, there's this timidness about learning about how money works in investments and stuff, you know, a dude will come up and talk about like, you know, what's going on in the stock market all the time. And like, that's typically not the conversation women have. We have other really powerful conversations, but typically it's not surrounding money. So one of my like biggest passions is just normalizing, like, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about money, you know? And here's the thing too, is that like, I, me and my best friend, we talk about uh, money a decent amount, our goals and stuff. I have no idea what is in her bank account. 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics down to the dollar amount. I probably could like kind of figure out a general idea. Um, and, and same with her, with me, you know what I mean? So there's a way to talk about money without having to say like, I have X amount of money in my bank account. Right. There's a way to still have healthy conversations. And honestly, like me and my mom, my mom knows how much I have. Like she's my financial person. So like, she really does know. Like I, mm-hmm. and so I feel like it's good to have one person that's like, even outside of your spouse, that's like, this is literally what I have. So what is a good decision here? You know? Um, so anyways, just having those people, cause we don't, we don't freaking have those people. In yeah. And that's so true because my my husband, like he'll bring stuff up and he'll say, well, so-and-so said this about this stock. And that I'm like, this is the stuff you talk to people about this? So, I mean, and maybe yeah. to me, like the stock market's not really particularly <laughs> of interest. Right. <laughs> and, and for some reason for them it is. But you're so right. I mean, I see that in my own house where my husband will talk with his friends about it. Mm-hmm. And I never talk to my girlfriends about no. money. I think it's also just as a woman, I feel like I – I've had this idea in my head that that's not my role, mm-hmm. but like actually becoming a wife and like I am the one that handles more of that stuff just because I feel like I take on more of that responsibility and not like I'm bitter at all about it, but it is. It's just something that I do. And so I'm like, I wish I had those years of really practicing this or better education on this because I do sometimes wonder like, oh, is there a better deal or how do I, where do we pull money from or what do I do with this or is that a good move? And I just think women in general aren't typically as empowered in this. So that's why I love that you really work with women and particularly moms and all that, because again, they're the ones who are making those decisions. They don't have a lot of that education. They don't have the confidence. I don't think either. That's probably what you see most of. Well, I was going to say that's what like, so do you like if your husband and his friends were around and they were just having a conversation about the stock market, how confident would you be to like put your input in there. Not even a little Not bit. Not even confident. a little bit. Yeah. So think about the things that we like to talk about, right? The things we like to talk about are things that we have experience in. Mm-hmm. Like you guys love to talk about health all the time. Oh yeah. I'm not your health girl. You can yeah. teach me all day. Okay. <laughs> like I'm a McDonald's girl through and through. <laughs> so like, I don't get all the, you know, I honestly, two years ago, I didn't even understand the difference between macros and micros anyway. So listen, that's just not my thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so like in like hormones, not my thing. Like I, yeah. that's probably, I talk about five main topics on my podcast. Health is like that's where I bring in the people. That's why I brought, yeah, <laughs> brought right. you in, right? Um, and so it's like we want to talk about things that we have experience in, that we have confidence in, that we actually can like talk our way through. Yeah. And so if you think about it, like is money that for you? And typically it's not for women. And so we don't even want to enter in a conversation, even with our best people, because it's like you'd say a sentence and be like, I don't even know where to go from here. Yeah. So um, so it's just a good idea. Um, just start reading some books. One of the best books that I read um, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So if you have not I've read seen that, that book, before. It's so, okay. it's so, so good. Um, and it, I thought, it, I honestly, before I read it, I thought that it was about a, a kid, like a rich dad and a poor dad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually about this son's journey um, with a rich dad who is his friend's dad and his, his quote unquote poor dad. But his poor dad is a college educated, successful man that does not understand how money works. Oh, yeah. Where his friend's dad is a, um, is, like wealthy and really understands how money works. So it's just a really cool dynamic of the different lessons that they've learned. Yeah. So that's a good book. And it's a really easy read. So that's yeah. a good one. That's that's helpful. I think just the more exposure, the the better, yeah. right? I mean, hearing things from you who you've lived through this and now you coach other people through it is super helpful because I want to be better at this. I really right. do. And you know, I, that's why I love all the stuff you put out like on your Instagram, you're very active on there because I pick up something every single time or it makes me question like, well, what is my mindset around yeah. this? Or do I really have a block here? Maybe I didn't realize that I have a mindset block in this area because I've maybe shoved it down all yeah, these years sure. out of convenience or comfort. Yep. So I think it's really helpful that you are talking about this and that you're so confident and bold about it because I think we have to do that to really make that change. Absolutely. And it's um it's always really interesting to me and I love this and but I I feel like when I begin to work with people, like I said, people are like, oh my gosh, I can't even show you my final. Like, I don't even know that I could sign up because I'm so embarrassed. It's so ugly. And I'm like, you literally can't surprise me. Listen, I had $8,000 credit card on, you know, with McDonald's on it. Yeah. It's all good. You know, like your stuff in collections, like it's all fine. No savings behind in bills, you know, whatever. But typically once I like sit down and look at all of the numbers, I'm like, oh girl, just stand up. Like you think you're drowning. You're in two feet of water. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, so many people will go through with bankruptcy. Um, so many people will, you were talking about, so we we're talking about just financial health. 
but the truth is, is that like there is there are there is something like financial PTSD is a thing, mm-hmm. you know, like think about if you have if you are somebody who are behind in rent or uh, uh, credit cards or whatever else you have stuff in collection, they're calling you all the time. And so if you've ever felt that like, um, you know, the phone rings and your heart kind of drops because you think it's another debt collector or uh, you you stay up at night. You're thinking about your finances. It's just like on a wheel at night. You're having trouble sleeping. Uh, just different, you know. You have some triggers when it's you know when somebody's spending money or saving money. You have a really hard time. So, anyways, you know it is. It's it, there. You have physical reactions to your money because money touches everything. It touches your marriage and your friendships and your experiences with your kids and what you know all of these different things. And so. And then there's just shame and guilt and hiding with it. Like I said, there's so many people who have who look on the outside to be like they are just flourishing mm-hmm. and truly they go home and they're like, I just maxed out another credit card. Let me open one up. And we don't have anywhere to turn. So that's where I'm that's where I'm going. Yeah. I <laughs> well, I think it's helpful to hear that you can't be surprised because I've even thought I'm like, I don't know if I want anyone looking at this stuff. But mm-hmm. it's like we don't know. We I think we perceive things to be way worse than they are or maybe better than they are in some cases, too, yeah. where it's like, oh, wake up, girl. But I think it's nice that you, again, you're, there's no judgment there. It's very, it, it literally is numbers to you. There's yeah. no emotional attachment to that person. There's no judgment there, right. which is helpful. Mm-hmm. What do you think, why do you think people get, like in particular women, why do you think we get in this financial trouble at times or we get behind in things? Well, I think, again, I think that it's just the, I think it's, we don't talk about it. And so there's just this sense well, and the real tr- the, r- the real problem, I guess, is that there is a sense that if we are an adult, we should like budgeting. It seems like such a simple concept, right? Mm-hmm. But so many adults think that it's an, there's just this negative connotation with a budget, and so we don't want to do it. <laughs> we don't like to do it. Uh, we don't really know how to make it, how to switch a budget to be something that works for us and not something that is just really negative, where we have to tell ourselves no and our kids no and all of these things. So we don't know how to do that. We don't know where to reach out to get that answer. And so I think with that compounded with just the generational, you know, financial stuff with women of us not typically being the ones, right? I mean, it was only what, what 50, 60 years ago, like it was typical that the, the mom was in the home, that the woman mm-hmm. was in the home. Uh, not that obviously we know, like still contributing a ton, yeah. but um, it just, it's not conversations that we had, you know, we had, yeah. we talked about the kids and we talked about whatever. And so it's just a, it's just a different mindset. And so our parents even, you know, like I feel like my mom was what mid forties or something like that when she finally got herself situated. Um, but that's kind of the first generation that this is starting to change. And now there's women obviously in the workplace we're entrepreneurs we're all these things, but we're still kind of tied with these mindsets that we have around money. So I think it's generational. I think it's a lack of support, Yeah, you know, just whatever else. So that's where we all get stuck. What do you think is the biggest mistake people make with money? Um, the biggest mistake people have with money probably is ignoring their numbers. Because like I said, like I I mean, when I ask my budget clients to kind of put their numbers on a spreadsheet, I'm like, listen, this is probably going to take a while Yeah, <laughs> because you forgot your password to this account you don't ever check into. You know what I mean? And it's like, we just want to not look at it because then we don't have to deal with it. And what putting your numbers out there, even just on a spreadsheet, whether you work with me or not, what that does is it just gives you a starting point. Like, okay, this is where we are. And so if you don't do that, you can't figure out where you are going. Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest thing is that people – don't know what their numbers actually are. And I will tell you nine times out of 10, it's better than you think. (laughs) You just need a little bit of like a little bit of strategy and a little bit of like direction on where to go. And then, I mean, and then people are, like I said, I mean, I work with people for 90 days, typically within 90 days, their entire financial life is completely turned upside down um, or turned around. It's like we are caught up on payments. We are building savings. We are paying things off. And everybody is like, I don't, where did this money come from? Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? Which is the opposite of what we think a lot about all the time. We're like, man, I feel like we're making good money, but like, where does all this money go? Once you start to actually like take control of your money, that's the opposite happens. Where'd all this money come from for me to be able to like get out of debt and build a savings? It just takes a little bit of strategy, organization, and some accountability. That's amazing. Do you, so I know that you, it's, you said it's fluid, which I think is awesome and reassuring, but at what point, like, 
do you work with entrepreneurs too? Because that, I mean, it fluctuates. Alexis mm-hmm. and I talk about all the time is we kind of are living month to month, like month by month. Like how's this month going to go? What are we projecting? What are, what's our goal? And so how does that work for someone who doesn't have, you know, I get this amount every two weeks, right? right? Cause I, I lived that life and that was really nice and cozy mm-hmm. and now it's, it's different. So right. how do you, how do you deal with that? So I think that if you are, yes, if you are, if you get paid bi-monthly, that's like the best. Monthly kind of sucks just because you're, <laughs> you got to do everything with that one paycheck. Um, every other week is, or bi-weekly, every other week is actually kind of the most secure. Weekly is really hard for people, especially if you don't have one paycheck that will cover your mortgage because then you have to start holding money mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean, to pay for things. And you got to think about your groceries and your gas and all that kind of stuff. However, if you have a, um, a income that is not fixed, this is where people are like, what the heck do I do? <laughs> what the heck to do? So a lot of times, so I typically work with, um, I typically work with just like personal finances. I don't typically go and in, dip into business stuff. But if you have a income that is not fixed, it is best practice really to get your savings built up so that you are using your June savings for um, July's bills. Um, so when you have a, a, an income that is not fixed, so you're going to want to have a savings. So let's just say you want to have, you know, to cover all of your bills. I'm just making up numbers here. To cover all of your bills, it's $2,000 a month. You would like to have an extra $1,000 a month for expenses that come up or whatever else. Okay, so we'll keep it easy, $3,000. So in January, I want you to be able to pay that $3,000, obviously, because that's going to be your basic bills plus that $1,000 that you want to spend on things or whatever. And, but then I also want you to begin to build a savings that is that $3,000. And so some days, some months you might get paid like a ton, right? It's a great month. And so I want you to start packing that savings and then on months when, and so that way in February, you have $3,000 in savings to choose from. So if you get paid $0 in February, you at least have this $3,000 that's sitting there to pay this. And then if you use all of that, then you need to restock it or whatever. But if you don't, right, let's say like January was a great month. You were able to pay your 3000 And let's just say you were only, you were able to put like $1,000 in savings. Great. Okay. So the next month, let's say you had a great month again and you were able to 3000 and then you were put 2000 in savings. So now you have the 3000 in savings. You've been able to do your stuff. And then in March, you have a slower month. And so now you only really made 1000 And so you get to pull two of that um, over into March and you still have a thousand in savings. That's a lot of numbers if you can follow that. But (laughs) my point is, is that it's called a revolving savings. And so you want to get to a point where basically your paycheck is coming from your savings, not from the up and down of the market. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. It takes a little bit to get there, right? Like, so you might have to say no to yourself at the beginning for things as you're building that, but you want this to be your paycheck, not the, your clients or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I yeah. feel like that would probably provide some stability mm-hmm. and security in that way too, to right. be viewing it in that way. Because I think that might be what some entrepreneurs find themselves in trouble with is using more of just like what they did with the client versus like, well, what do you have to back you up in that way? And right. kind of thinking a month or two in advance mm-hmm. versus like, I'm just going to wait to see what this month does. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly that. And because especially when you're starting up a business, don't we know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like feast or famine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's truly that. And so you can't just be like, well, I can't spend anything this month because I didn't get clients. And then this month, oh, I got 10 clients. This is great. Let me just spend it. Like, you have to learn to, you know what I mean? Like, put that away and start using your savings as your paycheck instead of your clients. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Because I think there's a lot of other small business owners who listen to this or can pass it along to people who are in this position. Because that's one of the hardest things for me as an entrepreneur is it's just a lot to handle because you have your own personal finances and then you have the finances of the business. I mean, Mm -hmm. Alexis and I talk about that too. Of You have two different worlds that you're managing and it can be a lot. It can. And then there's guilt there. You know what I mean? You like spend something to get some kind of return. It doesn't happen. So yes. But I mean, the whole budgeting can just go from personal straight to business as far as like until you get some consistency, you know, where there's a little bit of a bottom line, there's always going to be some fluctuation. But yeah, you want to definitely get to the point where you are stocking savings and then using that. Yeah, yeah. You shared you shared about how your family, you and your husband have built wealth, you know, Mm -hmm. so I know you shared what that looked like. You downsized, you got you, I think, changed cars at one point and, you know, all these things that you guys changed. But is that the route that you recommend for most people? And how do we build wealth? 
So that's like the number one question, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what people want to know. So I think that there's there's an importance to understand the difference between being rich and building wealth. Okay. And so a lot of people think that building wealth is just having an abundance in your bank account, your savings, your investments, or whatever it might be, which is not inaccurate. I mean, if we're talking about finances, it it does come with like, you know, higher numbers or whatever. However, the way that I think of it is like somebody can be rich and have a lot of money and then it can be gone within a generation. There's actually a study that shows um, 70% of wealth or riches is what I'll say is gone within one generation and 90% is gone within three. And none of us want to like work our butt off (laughs) to have our, have it gone in one generation. And so, and you hear about stories of people winning the lottery and getting $20 million, Mm -hmm. right? And then they're bankrupt within what, three years or whatever the stat is. And so there's a difference between being rich and having money And like I was talking about earlier, having parents that have a ton of money and not being able to make your own hot dog because you weren't taught skills and building wealth. And so building wealth, yes, part of that is getting out of debt. Part of that is um, whatever. But but beyond all of that, it is character development. It is um, self being able to tell yourself no. It is delayed gratification. It is learning about money. It is talking about money. It is all of these things, right? Because you cannot build wealth if you just have a lot of money. And, and I say that because what do we do? We spend freaking money. Yeah. <laughs> we know how to spend money, right? Yeah. I don't care if you have $100 in your bank account or you have, you know, $2,000 in your bank account. We will nickel and dime ourselves to death. And so if you haven't it, – building wealth is more about building the character and virtues of someone who knows how to handle money because then you know how to handle money. It doesn't matter if you make $30,000 a year or if you make, you know, $300,000 a year. Obviously, it's helpful if you make three hundred thousand. Right. But if you don't know how to money, or if you don't know how to handle money at three hundred thousand dollars, someone with forty thousand dollars can outbuild wealth. You, yeah. <laughs> That's the right sentence. But they can. Like, and if, there's a really great book. It's called uh, Millionaire Next Door, and it talks about how, like, a, first of all, most millionaires. If if millionaire seems like crazy to you, like totally out of this world. Um, which it used to, to me, now it seems like it's just a normal thing. Um, it's because we think that like the only way to become a millionaire is if you have some kind of inheritance or like you're a trust fund baby or whatever. And the truth is there's like, it's like 90% of millionaires are first generation. So that gives you some hope. (laughs) So like, it is not about getting wealth passed down. It is not about anything. It is about learning how money works and how to handle money. And so, and the other thing is, is that like the top three um, professions of millionaires were not the lawyer, you know what I mean? Brain surgeon, whatever. It was very like maybe six figures, $100,000 maybe incomes with wives who were either at home or teachers. So very modest, you know, incomes just in general. And so they've just learned how money works, right? And so when we're talking about building wealth, it is the way that we shifted our net worth like crazy was because, um, yeah, we downsized our home. We sold our cars. We uh, got out of debt. And then we, we started to invest in rental properties and passive income. And so... Yes, getting out of debt, building the characteristics that will be somebody who knows how to handle money and respect money. And then ultimately passive income is one of the biggest things that you can that you can start to create. Yeah. Which that's a whole world. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. If you could I know it's so there's so much to talk about with passive income, but for someone who might just hear that or knows a little bit of that, what would you describe as passive income? What are examples of that? Yeah. So um, so I have a course that's called Entrusted with Her Finances. And I typically passive income is something you work kind of you work pretty hard for up front and then you just make money off of it. Is is kind of a really simple way to say it. It doesn't come without work, but now so I've I I created this course and I spent a ton of time, ton of recording all of these different things, right? Um, and now it's just created. So now as people buy it, you know what I mean? I wake up after sleeping and I make money off of it. Um, and so that is passive income where basically you don't have to show up. And, and the, here's where I, I could go on a whole tangent here, but here's where I think there, we also get a disservice of when it comes to finances. We get taught work hard, make money, put some in retirement, die. <laughs> like, yeah. That is pretty much the bookends. However, we don't get taught to like turn that around. So like work hard. Yes. Make money. Yes. But then you have to make that money work for you. And that's ultimately what passive income is. 401k. That's a way to have passive income. You put in, you know, $100, that $100 turns into 500. You've made money without doing anything. Um, 
other than putting that first initial investment in. Like I was saying, the passive income, you either have to kind of work hard up front or you have to invest kind of a decent amount up front. And so it's like, if we don't, um, if we don't do that, here's the problem. If something happens like health-wise, medically or whatever, if you are solely relying on your body to be able to show up to produce an income and God forbid something happens with you or a spouse or a child and you can no longer show up physically, how are you able to make money? And that's another big thing that I talk about a lot is like, you don't know the choices that you're going to want to make <laughs> down the road. People say like, when is the best time to get your finances in order? Like yesterday, right? Yeah. Because I mean, I worked with a girl and she's okay with me sharing this, but um, I worked with a girl who started working with me this past September. They were two months behind in bills, like collections, the whole nine. And we, the first 90 days, we got herself like totally caught up with the savings, all these things. Well, then in December, I think her husband got diagnosed with MS um, and like very severe. And it's just kind of been whatever. And so he used to have to work overtime to just make ends meet. He used to like not be able to take a day off, you know, whatever, all these things. But since they had like, they had paid off a car, I think within that time, whatever else, it's like now he doesn't even, number one, he doesn't work overtime and they can make all their ends meet. So that burden and pressure is off of him. They don't, um, if she needs to take time off, if he has like a flare up and needs Mm -hmm. to take time off, you know what I mean? He can do that without feeling like he's somewhat failing his family or whatever it might be. There's just no pressure. And like in September, they had no idea that diagnosis was coming in December. Yeah. None. And had they started behind, you know what I mean? Like how much more stressful for him being diagnosed with that was that? Like that diagnosis is just stressful in general, but it just, there was no financial burden with it. And so like, we just don't know the choices we're going to want to make. So it's just so important to yeah, just start. <laughs> start well, I now. like that you brought that up because, and I, my mind also, this is something so simple, but it also, you know, there's a bad rep with it is the MLMs, right? Mm. Multi-level marketing, like, but that honestly can be another source of income for sure. people. You know, it's like people are going to do what they have to do. But it is like if you have a little money coming in here, a little money there, you know, it's just not having your money come from one source. Is I think the biggest right. tech takeaway is having, an in- you know, bringing money in from different sources that maybe some don't really require as much work from you and others might. But I think it's super important that people at least consider that yes. because if anything, this past year with COVID. Oh, right you know, some people lost their jobs and where do you have any other money coming in? Right. That was my biggest thing of where else can people get money at this point? Do they have anything else set up? So I think if anything, this past year has been a big awakening for that too. Sure. When I think, you know, we live in 2021, like what a time to be alive. Yeah. (laughs) You can like, we can sit here at this desk and talk and people from like across the world can listen to this. Right. And there's Etsy and there's, you know, like you said, MLMs, listen, you can do that right. And you can do it wrong. I've been exactly like, I mean, truly I'm not (laughs) against them at all, but there is a way to do it and there's a way to not do it. But yeah. So I think, I think it's like seven streams of income is something around what you want to be having to work towards. That so. sounds like a lot. My my eyes were just wide and I was like, seven? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, also, okay, so think about like your 401k if you're contributing. Okay, okay yeah. so that investment, you know what I mean? That's making you money, right? I mean, yes. that's something that you can't pull out until retirement, but that could be making you money, um, you know, like the course that I have or whatever. Like there's just different. And then your job, you know, that can be just a normal income. If you're in a two-income family, there's two right there. So you can kind of get creative, you know. I, I would say most people probably have like one to three. Mm-hmm. And so if you just want to have more financial um, stability, just trying to work your way up, right? The more, the better. Yeah. We're not talking about getting seven jobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. yeah. So it sounds like a lot of people come to you and they're in somewhat of a dire situation or they feel like they're in a dire situation. Do you also have people who are just like they don't know where to start? Maybe they just got their first job or are you mostly seeing like where they need a lot of help? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I get the span of people who, like I've been talking about, are like behind and they, mm-hmm. they, they genuinely feel like they are not even paycheck to paycheck, right? Like they are like, we are not even able to make that because they're behind, right? You're, if right. you're behind, you're not able to make your payments. And so people think that they are behind and truly it's an organizational thing. But then I've worked with people who have like, are, are bringing in almost, you know, I don't even know a lot, like multiple hundred thousand dollars. Um, and it's, they have no issue with bringing in money. It's again, just the organization. So really the, 
um, the kind of stream throughout is just this disorganization. And then also like, is this right? Like we're all doing the best we can. You know what I mean? It truly is. And it's just like, I don't know who to ask. Like, how do I do this differently or whatever else? I am actually doing a class um, for a a girl who was actually a budget client of mine. She owns a salon and she's got younger girls, like early twenties working for her. And so I'm going in and teaching them kind of just to get a good foundation for them with money and all that kind of stuff. So Um, So yeah, kind of the full gamut. That's awesome. So you mentioned you have the like 90 day, which is a one-on-one program. Are you working with a family? Um, And then you have the online course. Yes. And so what other options do people have if they're interested in working with you or what else do you offer? So yeah, so I have my money mindset course uh, where we really get into your money story, money trauma. (laughs) That one we talk about what you actually owe your children because a lot of us try to overcompensate for our own childhood or whatever else. We talk about there's a whole module on passive income, different ways to create it um, and other ways other than like some of us do not want to, (laughs) some of us do not want to have our own business, which is totally fine. Um, So there's just a bunch of different ways to create passive income. And then ultimately the last uh, module is on building wealth. There's 25 lessons. It's a whole thing. So I have that. I have my budget coaching. Um, And then I do do every once in a while. I don't have one scheduled right now, but I have a, um, a class that I do on how to create your 90 day budget. Mm. So I can't one-on-one coach with everyone, unfortunately, because my favorite, absolute favorite thing, maybe once all my kids are in school. But um, so with that, I basically teach them in about an hour and a half. I have them bring their numbers. They use the same spreadsheet that I use and I teach them how to create their own 90 day budget in this class. Um, So that I do. And then other than that, I just kind of teach some like stuff on Instagram, just like kind of helping out with that. My podcast, obviously. Yeah. So um, and then just teach different classes just in general. Yeah. So a lot of ways to um, kind of figure out where you're at. And then do you have people who maybe they like take your course and they're like, oh, I need a lot more help with this. And then they're looking to you for that more personal coaching. Yeah, actually, it's actually it's the other way around. It's it's people will invest in the budget coaching and realize my mindset is jacked up. Oh, because like Mm -hmm. I said, mindset isn't as like sexy as as the logistics of getting out of debt or whatever else. And so we really like, you don't even know how much you know, or how much you don't know with mindset. And then once you really start to have conversations on it, you realize, oh, this is actually something that I need just in general. Yeah. And just to shift my mindset about how I'm thinking about Making money and managing money and spending money. Yeah. Cause like, what did you experience as a child with mm-hmm. money? Like, did you, were you always taught, like, hey, money doesn't grow on trees? And, you know, you can't, like I said, I had a girl who literally was told yes always, never got told no when she was a child. Well, as an adult, that doesn't translate well when you don't make the same income your parents do. Mm-hmm. And so she had a hard time with getting in debt because, you know, she couldn't tell herself no or her child no because she felt like it was a, a failure on her because yeah. she wasn't able to do that. And so there's a lot of stuff in our childhood that that gets brought up just in general. Um, and so money mindset is it's the most important part, you guys, but nobody wants to do it Yeah. <laughs> until they realize like how much, you know, only what, like five to 15 percent of our brain is even conscious. And so you have to understand that like the majority of the decisions we are making are because of past memories, beliefs, whatever on money or really anything. So it's a huge, huge, um, just, I don't know, help (laughs) when you are working through your money stuff. It's so true. And having people like you saying that is really helpful because there's been multiple people or mentors in my life where they bring up money and I immediately like, I don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. it because I just was never taught how to properly. Not like I have, I mean, yes, I have some limiting beliefs or whatever you want to call them. But again, it's just a topic that it's like touching a hot stove. Like as soon as someone brings it up, I jerk away. Like, I don't want to talk about that because I was told not to. Mm -hmm. So hearing it from someone like you who's lived it, you know, that's really helpful. And all your offerings are really helpful too. So you have an upcoming class. Is that correct? So what is that? What does that entail? Yeah. So it's called Money Mindset for Moms 101, Learn How to Break Generational Cycles. And we really talk about how uh, trauma is the first part of the class. We really talk about how trauma is passed down generationally and genetically and how we are connected to like three to four generations of our family. So you could be struggling with money on a certain aspect of it and you could be kind of um, intertwined or like this is a little woo woo sounding, but it's actually really, really interesting. But you can be really connected to, you know, your great grandmother that you maybe have never met. She maybe have had some kind of trauma around money. And we actually, the first part of this class is we don't even, it's just 
general trauma, not just money trauma, but you could be connected in general with, um, with your like great grandparents. And so, um, we talk about money trauma. We talk about how to talk to your kids about money, how to talk around your kids about money, that kind of thing, just really practical stuff. And then ultimately we end with talking about how to create this generational change of wealth and finances without it dying the generation right after you. How do we, how how do we create generational change that lasts? Yeah. That's kind of what that class is. And that'll be in, Gosh, maybe three weeks. I don't know when this is gonna okay. air. So when does your when does your <laughs> class start? Um, I think it's that third week in May. I okay. can't remember that. Okay. Yeah, third yeah. week Perfect. in May. Yeah. yeah. Well, if people don't make it that make it to that There'll class, be a replay then, and you can sign up yeah, for that. Mm-hmm. Replay or just, you know, make sure to listen to the podcast as well. Yep. So that actually is a good place to just tell people where can they find you if they have further questions or want to work with you. Yeah. So my podcast is Legacy Through Motherhood. Um, my Instagram is at legacy through motherhood also. So that's where I'm probably the most active at if you want to just DM me or whatever. And, um, also we actually have a whole slew of financial like topics and stuff coming down the pipe for May, which I'm really excited about. And then if you go to Sims arrows, S I M S arrows.com, that's my website. And that'll have like the class on it, my courses on it, my budget coaching, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. And is that linked through your Instagram as well? Um, Yes, it's on like the link tree in the okay. link or whatever. Perfect. So multiple places to find yes. you. So Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on here. We like to close out our episodes with providing the listeners with a health challenge. So what is your challenge for everybody this week? Okay, so my challenge would be to learn your numbers. <laughs> to learn your numbers, track your numbers. Um, and I will give you guys a link. I have a free resource to help you kind of just do this and get yourself organized. Like I was saying in the episode you know, one of the biggest issues is that people really aren't as far off as they think. It's truly just like affirming Mm -hmm. that they're kind of doing the right thing or tweaking a little bit of stuff. So I will give you guys um, just a free resource I have to just give some, um, give some help with organization just in general, but know your numbers. And if you are married, (laughs) I I speak on this all the time. You both need to know your numbers. You both got to be in the boat financially. Even if one of you guys are driving the boat, I deal with all of our, I pay our bills. I do all of our stuff, but my husband knows our numbers. We meet about every 90 days, which is where that kind of came from. Uh, we meet seasonally just to make sure we're kind of on the right track or whatever else. But that way, even though I'm the one driving everything, if I have a question, he's not totally clueless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like he, or, or I'm not totally clueless. If he's like, Hey, what do you think we should do with this extra, whatever that came in? So either Number one, if you're single, know your numbers. Just put them out on paper. Um, I have a, a budget sheet that you could. It's it's really inexpensive. Or um, you can just do something really quick on Excel. Or also, if you're married, you need to both be on that um, in the financial boat so that you guys both know what your numbers are. Yeah, that's perfect. I think that sounds reasonable, yes, easy to absolutely. do. So we will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sending that over. I think that'll be helpful. All right. Well, it was so nice to have you. Thank you so much for everyone. Make sure to follow Stephanie, listen to her podcast, reach out to her if you have questions. Be sure to follow us. I am at Holistically Restored. And I am at Absolute Kinetics PT. All right. We'll catch you next time. Have a great week. 